God really moved. I know his spirit was at the altar touching people and healing their hearts and their spirits with their fathers. Amen. And we're just going to move on from here and ride the wave. I'd love to see every night grow. Amen. I'd love to see every service, more chairs filled up. By Wednesday, have all the chairs filled up. Amen. How many believe God can do that? We got to have a vision. Amen. We didn't put those chairs back there for looks. We put them back there for someone to sit in them that doesn't know Jesus. Amen. So let's be working. Text people. Call people. And get, get a hold of people. And say, we missed you today. We want to see you tomorrow. We want to see you Tuesday. We want to see you Wednesday. Amen. Point, people are pointing to me back there. Huh? I can't hear you. Oh, my, my daughter? I know it's Father's Day, honey, and you love me, but I can't wait. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm going to have Pastor Gould come up, and I want to share, share a quick story. Me and him have something in common, besides being brothers, that not many people have in common. And not, I bet you not too many people in the world can say what me and you can say, that we have been held up at gunpoint together. Yeah, I got in trouble hanging out with him. <laughs> can anybody else say that? Did you, that's pretty cool, huh? We can laugh at it now. It wasn't cool then. But he came to Costa Rica and was visiting us, and we had a church service just like this, and about 20 of us were standing outside waiting for transportation, I think, from our church to go back and just talking, and three guys ran up and put their guns at our chests. Took my cell phone, took one of his disciples' camera, and ran off with the stuff. So that was an interesting story that we lived to tell about. Amen, and here we are today. But uh, I'm, I'm so excited to have him here. I know he's got an awesome word for us. Get your notebooks out, your pens ready, your Bibles open. And let's give Pastor Gould another welcome tonight to Victory Old Outreach. Amen. Praise the Lord. That just goes to show that there's excitement in serving Jesus. I tell you, I've experienced so many adventures in different parts of the world. And, uh, but one thing I can say that God is amazing. I tell you, the Lord has far exceeded what I could ever have imagined in terms of the wonders I have experienced in serving God over these years. Praise the Lord. I'm a happy man. But you know what? I'm not finished yet. I'm not done yet. God's got a whole lot more to do. Praise God. And God's got wonderful things for every one of you because he is our father. And he has great expectations and a great hope for every one of you. I want you to believe that tonight. He's not just some big God out in, the, out in the heaven and you are just some insignificant number here on the earth. No, he knows every hair that is on your head. He even knows the number of hairs you've lost since you've been born. Uh-huh. He knows everything there is to know about you because when he comes to bless you, he comes with a custom-made blessing with your name. I don't care if you change address. Amen. He's got his eye on you. He knows where you are. He will find you. Praise God. Praise God. And I want to tell you something very important that we should already know, and that is that our faith in God will cause miracles to flow to where we are. That's why the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. We shall live by faith. And so you and I 
need to grow in faith. And this week, my trust is that uh, I will have added to your faith that you will have increased in faith so that the blessings of God will also increase in your life. I'm not one of those preachers that just wants to preach to get you all excited and shouting and hallelujah, and then you go away and say, oh, man, it was happy, it was exciting, but you don't know what God has done. You can't put a measure on what God has spoken to you. You can't uh, say how God has blessed you in a very clear way. No, I want to add something to this to you so that you will be able to say that God indeed has ministered to me. I can be gone and off the scene, and that's okay if you never remember my face or my name. But I want you to experience and encounter God such as you have never encountered him before. Praise God. Hallelujah. So don't miss one night because every night God has something special for you. And I'm not just coming and just pulling any old thing out of my pocket. No, I'm praying every day and seeking God for what's good for you. Amen. And since this is Father's Day, tonight I want to talk to you uh, about the heart of the Father. And uh, the title of my message tonight is uh, The Children's Bread. The Children's Bread. And uh, if children have bread, children don't get the bread on their own. But it is the Father who supplies bread for his children. Amen. That is the responsibility of the parent. And so tonight, this will cause you to have a greater understanding of who your heavenly father is and those things that he has destined for you, those things that he has laid up for you. Amen. And he wants you to know that you can come and receive your blessings. For every need that you have, God has already supplied. And so let us begin tonight with Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. It is a scripture that you are all very familiar with. And there Jesus makes this statement. He says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now this is one of those cardinal scriptures Amen. That anytime you talk about the word of God and preach about the word of God, you can't preach the message without sharing this scripture. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, that word bread is synonymous with food. All right. I know some of you are already thinking about cornbread and hot biscuits and you know, and uh, all that kind of stuff. If you're like from Kenya, like I know a sister here from Kenya and a sister from Tanzania, you're thinking about uh, maybe some ugali, maybe a little fufu, mix a little sukumawiki in with that, you know, or maybe a chapati. Ah, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, with a little soup. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, bread, when Jesus talked about bread and saying that this is synonymous with food, he knows that years down the road that you would be reading the scripture and that bread is a term that is understood universally. Yes. Everybody knows a little bit about bread. Let me ask this question. How many of you ate some bread today? Raise your hand if you ate some form of bread today. Most of you. Okay. Most of you ate some bread. So that means, you know, if this was a democratic vote, then we won. Bread eaters, you outnumber the non-bread eaters. And so bread is something that is universally understood 
And Jesus also uses the term of bread when he teaches his disciples how to pray. He says in the scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. Now many of you, if you only remember the word bread, then you missed it. God said daily. Huh? Daily. Every day. Continuously. Without fail. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, bread is synonymous with food. You know, when you think of bread and you talk about food, you're talking about everything that can go along with that meal, you know, but bread really is talking about food and not just the bread alone. Most of us, we don't just eat bread by itself, do we? Most of us don't. Some of you do, I know, but most of us, we, we, we have the bread, you know, but maybe we're going to sop something, maybe sop a little gravy, you know, or pour a little gravy and sausage over the biscuit or whatever, or some soup with that chapati, whatever the case may be. And so bread is a part of the meal, but there are all different kinds of of bread. And when God says, give us our daily bread, it is though he is saying that bread is our God-given right. Have you ever thought, about, ever thought about that? He says, pray to your father. Who are you asking? God, the father. Father, give me my daily bread. It is a God-given right for you to eat bread. Bread, which also, as I said, represents food, is necessary for survival. God is saying, it is your right to survive, and I'm the one who's going to provide and make sure that you survive. Give us our daily bread. You know, I've been in different countries around the world, and many of these countries, uh, there's a lot of poverty and, and a lot of uh, suffering, and uh, and, and no matter where I've gone, everywhere I've gone, I've seen people eating bread of some kind. And many times, even though the parents themselves may not eat, they're going to make sure that their children get some bread. They may have that bread with some water. They may have that bread with some tea, that bread with some coffee, that bread with some juice or whatever. But many times I've been in nations where parents would, they may eat one day out of every three days. Maybe they feed the kid this day and tomorrow they eat uh, and they would ration out food. But uh, the parent's heart uh, was always or would always be towards the children. Amen. We got parents here. I see these little children running around here. And I know these parents, you know, you're always thinking about taking care of your child, making sure they got something to eat. If you go away and stay away too long, you're thinking, oh, have my children had anything to eat? Have I taken, uh, have I made sure that some provision has been left for my children? And so you as a loving parent, you're going to make sure that your child has something to eat. Even if you don't have, what kind of parent is going to eat and not feed their child. That would be a very wicked parent. And we know that God is not wicked. He's a loving father. And he owns everything. And how, why, is it that, why can a God that owns everything withhold blessing from you? And so children are going to eat bread. Now, I've been in different nations, and, and uh, some of you may have come from different countries, but I've eaten all kinds of bread. You know, let's start off with America. We'll start at home and go to Samaria and Judea and to all other, other most parts of the world. But in America, we may eat, uh, like since I've been here, I've eaten biscuits. I've eaten rolls. And they've all been good. 
And so we eat different kinds of bread, cornbread, loaf of bread. Some people fix cornbread one way, some other places they fix it the other way. Uh, nothing was better for me than a child growing, out than, growing up than some of that cornbread with cornmeal and flour mixed together, fried in some grease, in some shortening, and fried hard, and then get you a, 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 a good old a pot of, co- of collard greens. You don't need no fork, don't need no spoon. Just break off a piece of that cornbread and sop those collard greens, and man, that was some good eating. I know y'all hungry. I know y'all already ate, but I know you're getting hungry again. Keep your minds here. Come back, come back, come back. But we have different forms of bread in America. A lot of the breads that we eat here in America come from other countries. And let's go down to Samaria. We go down to Mexico. Uh, right here in America, we eat Mexican food. You got to have a tortilla. Huh? Some of you like corn tortillas. Some of you like flour tortillas. But you got to eat some tortillas. We go to Kenya and they have a bread they call ugali. It's made of of a maize meal, and it looks, if you don't know what it looks like, it looks like a, 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 a part of hardened grits, but that is the, one of the main breads they eat in Kenya, ugali. They also eat chapati, which is something like a tortilla, but it's a little bit thicker. You go to the nation where I live in the Congo, and they eat a bread called fufu that is made of cassava. It's a little bit sticky, a little pasty, but they'll take that bread and roll it up and then kind of make a little indentation with their thumb and use that to sop their food. They put the food in the middle of the table. They don't use no spoons and no knives or nothing. They just take that fufu, and they put a little pepper on it, you know, season it up, and they eat that bread in the Congo. In France, they have the... You know, in French, you know, they have baguettes. You ever seen that long, hard roll of bread? You go in the bakery session, baguettes. Huh? You like baguettes? Go down to Israel, they have what they call matzo bread. In East India, they would have naan bread. Greeks may eat pita bread. Our Native Americans eat fry bread. What is it that we have this preoccupation with bread? Everywhere you go, people are fixing bread. You know, one thing is that bread in most forms is not very costly. And so God knew that it was something that would be available and something that we would be able to provide for our children. And so I remember growing up long ago, a loaf of bread was a nickel. You go to the store and get a loaf of bread for a nickel. And we could always afford bread. And, and uh, one thing we could always afford when I was growing up was bread and potatoes. If you didn't have anything else, get you two slices of bread, fix you some flat potatoes, and make a potato sandwich. And so you don't need much, and bread is not that expensive. And so when God says, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, it doesn't take a whole lot, but I'm going to provide for you, and you can depend on your daily sustenance of bread. We see that in the Old Testament story that when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and they needed something to eat, what did God give them? Manna from heaven. He gave them bread. He provided for them. They did not go a day without eating. God was faithful to supply their daily need of bread. Now, I say all this as an introduction. There is a woman in the Bible who somehow, though she was not 
very learned and those she did not understand all the traditions of the Jews or the teachings of the Jews. As a matter of fact, she was not a Jew. She somehow understood this universal principle that God would somehow provide for her need and provide her daily bread. And understanding this concept, she was in a situation where she was very desperate and her understanding of who God was and that he was a provider enabled her to persevere and to be persistent and to break through barriers to receive a miracle from God because of her understanding of this basic little concept. You know, many times the teachings that God gives to us are basic and simple, but some, somehow and for some reason we have difficulty believing the very simple things of God. God wants to say to you that he will provide your daily bread. God wants to say to you that he is the source of providing all of your needs and that you can trust in him. You should never doubt him. The Bible says we, the just, shall live by faith. Now let's look at the book of Matthew in chapter 15 and verse 22, and let us read this story together about this wonderful woman who literally wrestled a miracle out of the hand of God. We began in chapter 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. In another part of the Bible says she was a Greek woman. So understand that she was uh, a Gentile. She was not a Jew. She came from that region and she cried out to him, speaking of Jesus, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now take note of this, that this woman, a Gentile woman, somehow gets a revelation that Jesus is Lord. How does she get this revelation? Remember when Peter got the same revelation that Jesus, that he was the Christ, that God says that flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, Jesus said, but it was revealed to you of my father. Somehow this woman being a Gentile, she came to understand and to believe that Jesus is Lord. Not, not just a title, okay, Lord, but that he is Lord. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere and able to do anything. And she comes to him with an understanding of who he is. The Bible in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, They who come to God must believe that he is. Huh? That he is. And that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. Our faith is not based upon our spirituality or how big our faith is. Our faith is built upon how big God is and how great God is and his great love for us. And this woman came to Jesus with this understanding and with this belief that he is the Lord. He is God. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And she cries out to God for mercy. And let's continue to read. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. 
But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Praise the Lord. Now we see this woman coming to Jesus, crying out. She has a very desperate situation. Understand, this is a mother. And we know how mothers are in their hearts and their love towards their children. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. And there was no one that could help her daughter, no one that could cast out the demon. And I can imagine that her daughter had been in the shade for many years. And, uh, you know, if you haven't seen anyone who has been bound by demons and uh, tormented by demons, and you, you cannot really understand people who are out of their minds, people who are thrown into the fire, who are thrown upon the ground, who writhe like snakes and who talk out of their heads and do all kinds of crazy things, even hurting themselves and hurting others. And the mother, she's thinking about her daughter every moment as she's approaching Jesus Christ. She has double visions, her eyes upon Jesus, her hope, and upon her child, her desperate need. And she says, Jesus, have mercy upon me. But when she comes to Jesus, his response or his reaction was not one that you would expect to receive from Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. She comes to him crying out in desperation. And the Bible says, he doesn't even answer her. He doesn't even acknowledge her. He doesn't even acknowledge her existence. It is as though he's saying, women, you are nothing. Why in the world are you even here? Can you imagine yourself going to someone whom you think can help you, and not only do they even, they don't just give you an answer, but they don't even acknowledge your presence. It is like, they are not even hearing you. It is like they don't even care about you, that you have no importance in their eyes. And so Jesus does not even answer this woman. What would you do at this time? Here she is, a little woman, and understand in those days and in those times and in that society, a woman was second class. And look at Jesus and his stature, the great rabbi, the great teacher. As you see the reaction of his apostles, you can understand very well their attitude towards this woman. So Jesus, first of all, does not recognize her, does not acknowledge her. It is though he is very apathetic towards her cause. And that he is very cold-hearted towards her and her need. But then... 
the apostles of Jesus Christ, you know, they've been around Jesus, they've been getting a little bit too familiar, and they think now they got to put in their two cents. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why don't you just send her away? She has no business interrupting our special audience with you. She's interrupting our private session with you. They said, Lord Jesus, send her away for she cries out after us. Now look at this expression. She cries out after who? No, no. What does the Bible say? Ah, can you believe that? Their heads have gotten so big, they are not understanding that the woman ain't coming to see them. She's coming to see Jesus. They think that they have now become so important because they're part of the inner court. Lord, send her away because she's crying after us. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute now. God's going to teach us a great lesson here tonight. She's crying after us, Lord, send her away. So first, the woman encounters apathy on the part of Jesus. Now she is, in, uh, she is encountering rejection on the part of his disciples. Apathy, rejection. Who can live with that? This little woman. But you know what? She ain't about to give up. And so when the disciples say to Jesus to send her away, then Jesus responds with these words. He answered her and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, Jesus, what he is saying is true. The father is sending him to the people of Israel. God has a process. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and through you, the nations of the world will be blessed. But the blessing begins with the Jew and then goes to the Gentile. So Jesus was not being insensitive when he says that I've only come to the lost sheep of Israel. He's following the process that has been set in place by God, the Heavenly Father, and the council of heaven. He says, I have not come but only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, if you read another account of this story in the book of Mark, and we're not going to turn there, Mark chapter uh, 7 and verse 26, there he says, I've come to the house of Israel first, which implies that that's where he begins, but sometime afterwards, then the gospel will go and the blessing will go to the Gentiles. And so this word is pronounced before the woman that she is not qualified. She is disqualified and does not meet the criteria to receive a blessing from Jesus because she's outside of the house of Israel. Women, you're disqualified. Now, I believe Jesus does these things purposefully for a reason, which we will see later. But now, let's look at the woman once again as we see the spotlight that is upon her. And everybody in the crowd is looking as Jesus says, no, I'm sorry, I can't help her. She's disqualified. First, she's experienced the apathy from Jesus, the one she thought was going to help her. Then she experiences the rejection from the apostles. And now she is being told that, women, you are disqualified. Now, if this was you, my brother and my sister, tell me, what would you do by now? Would you continue to move forward? 
Would you continue to believe that this man is going to help you? Or will you give up and go back home and say, well, I guess wrong day, wrong time, wrong man. I guess what I thought about him is not really true. But this woman, she was persistent. She was not going to go home without her miracle. Look at her response. It says that then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. She worshipped him. She didn't just say good words. She worshipped him as the one who she recognized as God and as Lord. She bowed to him. She glorified him. She honored him as the Lord. She worshipped him. Now you would think that after doing this, that maybe Jesus might say something a little bit more kind to her, understanding that she has come to him in a very respectful way, in a very humble way, coming in desperation and just believing that he would do something. But the next words of Jesus Christ are really mind-boggling. Listen to what he then says as she pleads for his help. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. The children's bread, the bread that belongs to the children of Israel. The blessings of healing and deliverance, all of these are part of the atonement which Jesus would provide for. And Jesus is saying, this bread is for the children and not for little dogs. She had experienced apathy. She had experienced rejection. She was told she was disqualified. And finally, she is humiliated. You go to someone and they tell you, you are a dog. What other conclusion would you make from this statement? Huh? There's no other conclusion that she could draw, but that he is referring to her as a dog. Everything that could have been done to diffuse her faith has been done. You're no good. You're rejected of men. You're disqualified. You don't measure up. And besides, you are absolutely nothing. You are a dog. Now, I don't know about you, my brothers and my sisters. I might go so far to look for help, but when somebody calls me a dog, I don't know if I can go any further. But listen, this woman was not looking at her own reputation. This woman had in her mind her child that had a need. And she says, I don't care what they do to me. I don't care what barrier is placed before me. I know who he is. I know that he is the source of my miracle. And I am not going home until I get my miracle from God. Hallelujah. Call me a dog. Call me anything. Put me down. Tell me I'm no good. But that don't make no difference. I know who you are, and you're going to give me my miracle today. Because of her desperation, because of her love for her child, because of her faith. You Let me tell you something. Faith 
will find a way. Faith will cut a path to God. Faith will make a way when there's no way. Faith will find the answer. And with her faith, as she was there and she heard all these words, I can believe that God, the Heavenly Father, was looking down upon her. And again, I want to say to you right now, I believe that the lesson that God is wanting to teach is not to the women, but to those who are standing by. To the apostles who have rejected her because of their prejudice. To the crowd also who probably looked down upon her. To show unto this crowd that Jesus Christ has come for all mankind. I don't care who you are, from what walk, what your stature is, whether you're rich or poor, or whether you're black or white or orange or green, or whether you come from this side of town or that town or this nation or that nation, no matter what it is uh, that God loves everyone and that he is not partial, he is not prejudiced, uh, but he will cause his grace uh, and his goodness to shine upon all mankind. And so, as this woman is thinking, and she is still welled up with faith, then she makes this astounding proclamation to Jesus Christ. She does not debate him. She doesn't argue with him. She doesn't get into a religious argument. She simply says to him, truth, Lord. Lord, what you say indeed is true. But Lord, pre allow me. Lord, tolerate me just a little longer. What you said is true, God, but faith has revealed to me another truth. Say, yeah, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that falls from the children's table. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory to God. Glory to God. You see, now listen, 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 listen. The woman is saying, God, I don't need a loaf. I don't even need a whole slice. Just one crumb from you is enough. Hallelujah. Just one drop of your blood is enough. Because you are God. And oh, God, all I got to do is to touch the hem of your garment. Oh, Lord, truth, Lord. But Lord, understand that you call me a dog. I'm not going to debate over that. I'm not going to fight that. I'll accept what you said, Lord, and I'll be a dog, but even a dog has a right to crumbs, and I know a crumb from your table will be enough to meet my need. The lesson that I want us to learn here tonight, sometimes... You know, you, you, you in the church, you hear all the teachings of the word of God and you understand them at a surface level. But sometimes we get in situations in our lives where we need to apply those truths. And then when you begin to press towards God and begin to worship him and even to proclaim his word, there are obstacles that are placed in your way. One obstacle after another. You're praying and believing it's going to get better, and before God solves their problem, here comes another problem. You're praying that things are going to change, and things seem to get worse. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, I guess God is not who I think he is? Or are you going to say, well, I guess God loves brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they're better Christians than I am? Or are you going to say, well, I think God, maybe this is not my day, or May, may, just maybe something's wrong with my faith. 
My brothers and my sisters, I want to tell you if you need a miracle, it's not dependent upon who you are, but it's dependent upon who God is. Hallelujah. It's not dependent upon your, listen, listen, it's not dependent upon your righteousness, but upon his mercy. You see, the woman didn't come to God based upon her legal stature as a Jew. She came saying, Lord, uh, thou, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Because she knew that she was outside of the realm of, her, of a, having a legal right to approach Jesus Christ. Amen. But I thank God that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law and to replace the law. The Bible says uh, that Jesus came and we beheld him in all of his glory, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. In the temple in the Old Testament, uh, we have the outer court and the inner court. And when you get into the inner court, uh, there you find the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and therein is the law of God. And God brought the law that man might see that he sinned. Uh, and that sin led to death. Uh, but I thank God that as you get into the Holy of Holies uh, and you come before the Ark of God uh, that represents the presence of God, uh, that it does not stop there at the Ark. Uh, if you will just lift up your eyes. Uh, David says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. And if you look up above that ark, there you will see that there is a mercy seat. And on both sides of that mercy seat, there are cherubims that are looking towards that seat where God sits. And God says, I will deal with my people from above the mercy seat. Not based upon the law but upon my mercy. Some people have disqualified themselves from miracles, thinking they're not worthy, or maybe it's something they've done. It's a, it's, it's a little thing for God to work a miracle. I'm not here to, uh, to encourage or to license uh, uh, doing wrong or walking in sin, but I want you to know that you can throw yourself on the mercy of God. You can acknowledge your sins, acknowledge your downfalls and your failures, and come to God. God says, come boldly unto the throne of grace uh, that you may obtain mercy and find grace uh, to help you in the time of need. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that's got a need. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that needs a miracle from God. I wonder if there's anyone tonight who's had to cross hurdles and you still see hurdles in front of you. Well, you need to rise up in faith uh, like this woman uh, who was a Phoenician woman. She saw that Jesus was able and says, Lord, Lord Jesus, I know that as a dog that I'm worthy of the crumbs that fall from the table. And look at the proclamation of Jesus. I believe that Jesus deliberately said these things. I believe that he somehow perceived the faith of this woman at, the, at, the, at her initial encounter. And, and he says, I'm going to prove her faith. You know, the Bible says that your faith and my faith must be tried to show and to prove that it's genuine and that is mature and that it can stand the test of time. God wants to mature every one of us and calls us to grow up and to have strong faith. And so the Lord tried this woman knowing that she was going to, 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 to succeed. And in the end, I believe that the apostles who were standing and looking in all the crowd that was there, they learned a great lesson about the mercy of God. 
You see, this woman, when Jesus said that this bread is only for the children of the house, that may have been true, but you know what she did? She caused Jesus to bypass his own precepts and rules. She says, I ain't got time to wait for the dispensation of the Gentiles. I need a miracle now. Sometimes you can't want, wait to Sunday, folks. Sometimes you can't wait for the prayer meeting, folks. Sometimes you can't wait for the pastor to show up, folks. Sometimes you can't wait for the holy man or holy woman of God, folks. You have a direct line to Jesus. And all you got to do is come and say, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, God Almighty, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and my God, Lord, I need you, and your word declares uh, that I can ask you for my daily bread and that you will give me my bread. And Lord, today I come for the bread that has been laid aside for me. Parents, when you provide or you prepare food for your children, you take into account how much each one of them eats. You notice what I said, each one of them. One might eat one biscuit, the other might eat five. <laughs> Imagine me and my family with 10 kids. We sitting around the table with our eyes on them biscuits. Who's going to get the last one? Of course, my mom had to be the referee. Get your hands off them. Anyway, the Lord knows. He knows exactly what your needs are. And the Father knows that it is your right to have bread. The bread that the Father has provided for us are all those things that have been provided for in the atonement. Salvation, healing, deliverance, peace, provision, protection, guidance and wisdom, restoration, recovery, success, all these things God wants for you. And so never accept no for an answer. Yes, because an obstacle comes in the way, that is not an indication that God's answer is no. He may simply be wanting us to pray a little bit longer, to hold on a little bit longer, to believe a little bit longer. This woman says, I am not going to be denied of a miracle today. She pressed through apathy. She pressed through rejection. She pressed through disqualification. She pressed through humiliation until finally she got her miracle from Jesus Christ. Tell me tonight, what's standing between you and a miracle? What hurdle is standing in your way? Let me tell you what the biggest obstacle is. It is unbelief. It is unbelief. Jesus asked this question, when I come again, shall I find faith on earth? That rhetorical question has an implied answer that he's not going to find a lot of faith on earth. We need to understand who God is. And to know that he is more than able and willing to meet our every need and to work miracles for us. Miracles come through our believing in God and trusting in him. You know, I thank God this has been a year for me of just miracle after miracle after miracle. 
I'm just beside myself. I'm just giddy. I'm just excited. I'm just waiting and looking for the next miracle. You know, I don't live looking for the devil. I, I live looking for the, the blessings of God. And I know that God has done something in my heart and the heart of my wife and calls us to grow in faith and we sing a mighty move of God. And God wants to grow you in faith. And don't think that uh, you are going to be immune from struggles and trials and obstacles. No, those can be forces for one or two things. Either they will take you down or you will rise above them. And brother read the scripture this morning. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And yes, your faith is what's going to get you there. Your faith is what's going to keep you there. God wants his people to come to a place where they have this divine faith, this unstoppable faith, this mountain-moving faith. And I want to say to you tonight, uh, it's not based upon a feeling. It's not like you got one of these old Model T Fords uh, and you got to wind it up. Come on, faith. Come on, faith. All right, all right. Okay, now we're there. We're Now we're there. I don't have to do that because I know who God is. I know who God is, and I know his desire towards me. The scripture declares that no good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. Huh? And so I come believing. You come believing, trusting, never doubt. I remember an old song, if you trust and never doubt, he will surely work it out. Take your burdens to the Lord. And leave them there. Yes, trust and never doubt. Don't doubt. It's an evil spirit. Amen. Don't doubt but have faith. And hold on to your faith. What stands between you and your miracle tonight? God is more than willing. God is able. But you have got to believe. The woman who had the issue of blood says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Do you need a miracle from God tonight? Do you need a healing from God tonight? Do you need deliverance tonight? Maybe you have a habit that has been holding you back and you want to be set free. Do you need God to deliver you tonight? Do you need God to heal your marriage? Do you need God to give you a financial miracle? Do you need God to give you a promotion, give you a job, and to prosper you, maybe to help you in some project you may have or some business you may have? Or maybe you're one of those persons who has no peace in your heart, and you need God to give you peace. Maybe you're one of those persons who's being bound by the spirit of fear, and you need God to take away that fear from your life. Whatever your miracle is, God is able tonight. And understand this fact uh, that this is the children's bread. Everybody say, it's my bread. It's my bread. Hallelujah. It's yours tonight. Are you ready to come to the table and eat? But I want to tell you something tonight. God ain't going to give you no crumbs. He ain't going to give you no crumbs. Whatever you need. He is more than able. Let's bow our heads tonight in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed.